Amen. All right, you can take a seat. Uh, we're going to be doing something a little different today. Uh, we're not going to be having small groups today uh, because it is our church's young adult retreat, so most of your leaders are not here. <laughs> most of them are at retreat um, because they're mostly in our young adult ministry, which one day you may be in as well. Um, and also because uh, this is my last Sunday with you guys. I know. <laughs> um, it's, it's, oh. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, it's interesting because, so when we decided way back in December uh, that we were going to start going through Jeremiah in this year, um, you know, we had prayed about it and we just decided to do it, you know, and we had kind of planned out the sermons and the passages and everything. Uh, and then when it was decided, you know, that, hey, this was going to be my last year as well, uh, we were looking at the dates and I was, this is going to be my last day. Uh, and it just happened to fall on uh, the day that we we're going to look at Jeremiah 29. And the reason that's interesting is if there's one verse that people memorize, like any of you know, like in Awana, do you guys know Jeremiah 29:11? Okay, so I'm going to show it to you. It's the one verse everybody knows, right? Um, Jeremiah 29:11, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Uh, I remember this because even before I was a Christian, um, I had this like uh, poster. Someone gave me this gift. I really liked it. It was a poster uh, that had a bunch of like inspirational quotes on it, just like from, you know, Gandhi and all this stuff. And there was a couple Bible verses, and this was one of them. So this is one of the few Bible verses I knew uh, before even I was a Christian. And a lot of times when we see this verse, we, we use it quite frequently. When people are struggling, when people are suffering, we say, hey, don't worry, God has a plan for you. You know, God knows the plans he has for you, right? For a future, for welfare, for hope. And we're saying a lot of times, don't worry, everything's gonna be okay, right? All your pain, your suffering, don't worry, it's gonna be gone. Now, if you've been with us any time in this past year, you realize that the context of this is a little strange because at this moment that Jeremiah, that God is saying, I know the plans I have for you, what those plans are, <laughs> we know what those plans are. So when God says, <laughs> when God says, I have a plan for you, his plan is your city is going to be destroyed. You're going to be taken into exile out of your land. You're not going to be there for two years. You're going to be there for 70 years. That's the plan. I got a plan for you. What is happening in this moment? Jeremiah 29, verse 1 through 2. These are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and all these people that have been taken into Babylon. And this was after King Jeconiah and the queen mother were also, all these people were taken. This message, I have a plan for you. It's not just before all these things are going to happen. It's after they've all happened. They've already lost. The war is over. They're, they're destroyed. They are taken away, right? It would be like right now going to the Milwaukee Bucks or the Portland Trailblazers and saying, don't worry, there's a plan for you. <laughs> and their plan is they lost. They lost already. This is the moment all hope is lost. And Jeremiah is going to send them this letter. 
So when he's sending them this letter, his, the plan is not everything's going to work out because everything has already not worked out. I know some of you already feel that. Right? You look at your plans that you thought when you were going to come into high school that this was what life was going to be like. These were the grades I was going to get, and this is what my friendships would look like, and this is how much fun I would have, and this is how worry-free I would be. For seniors that have graduated, it's already over, right? <laughs> you don't have another shot. You don't have another chance. And you see, this is a powerful truth because then for some of us, when we hear God has a plan for us, we think, oh, I know he had a plan for me, but that plan's gone. And Jeremiah is speaking this in the midst of people thinking that same thing. I mean, they're walking thousands of miles away from their homes in chains, some of them. And God's plan is not, don't worry, everything's going to work out right now. God's plan over your past is not to reset, but to redeem. You see, when we look at our past and we look at our, our regrets, we often want a reset. We think, man, if I could only do it again, if I could only go back in time and do it again, if only I could have spent more time with my grandma, if only I could have been a nicer friend, if only I could have worked harder at school. And we look at our past, and when God says, give me your past, a lot of times we say, God, can I give it to you so you can forget it? And God's coming and saying, no, I'm not trying to reset you. I'm trying to redeem you. And this is how I know. This is how I know. Because Jeremiah is going to do something really interesting that if we read the Bible and we don't know the context, we're not going to understand. I'm going to read this verse 3 because you're not going to see... This is Jeremiah 29, verse 3. He's sending the letter. The letter was sent by the hand of Elisah, the son of Shaphan, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Okay, all of you are reading that, and like, that's a verse that you just pass by. But these names are really important because of who they are. Who they are are the sons of Shaphan and Hilkiah. And about 70 or about, about 60-ish years ago, about 60-ish years ago at this time, when, um, when the, the, the king was, oh my God, Hezekiah, when Hezekiah was the king, the people had lost the book of the law. They'd lost the law. They'd lost the God's word. So they knew that God was out there, but they didn't really know what he wanted for them. And this is what happened in 2 Kings 22, 8 through 13. And Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan, the secretary, came to the king and said, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes, and the king commanded Hilkiah the priest, and Ahikam the son of Shaphan, and Akbor the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the secretary, and Asaiah the king's servant, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. Hilkiah and Shaphan were the two people that were instrumental in the great revival of the nation 60 years ago. 
They were the heroes of the nation. They were the people that found the law and read the law and convicted people of the law. They were the leaders. And now, 60 years later, everyone has forgotten the law. Everyone has forgotten about God. They're going into exile. And Jeremiah says, I'm going to send you a letter that said God has a plan for you, and I'm going to put it in the hands of the sons of these heroes that you don't deserve, that you don't belong to, right? I don't know what the context would be. To, I was trying to think of like, like what it would be today, right? It'd be like if there was like a peace summit, right, in the middle of, you know, North Korea, and it was like, Jeb Bush and Chelsea Clinton and like Donald Trump Jr. and Kim Jong-un's like three sons. I don't even know how many children he has, right? You'd be like, what are they doing? <laughs> what are they doing here? And oh, for Jeremiah, we remember, what is, why is he sending this letter in their hands? He's saying, look, these are the sons of the people that you forgot. This is the reminder of your mistakes. This is a reminder of how far you have fallen and yet... And yet, it is in their hands that God's message is going to come to you. I want to tell you something, because if we're chasing in our lives a reset button, if we're chasing in our lives wanting to go back and change things, wanting to say, I wish I could have just done these differently, and we live in those regrets, then we're going to miss the power of the gospel, because the gospel comes and says, I don't reset your life, I redeem your life. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5 says that the God of all comfort comforts us in our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort that we ourselves are comforted by God. You know, I'm thinking about the past a lot. <laughs> um, and so even today, I don't know if you guys have ever noticed this. I know I'd say it sometimes, but... Um, Usually when I preach, I try to find a graphic tee that matches the message. <laughs> I have a lot of graphic tees. It's like my weakness. Like, I don't buy a lot of nice clothes, but I, lot of, I buy a lot of graphic tees, right? I, have, I used to have one drawer, and now I have two drawers, and now I have two and a half, and my wife is like, you're taking over the whole dresser with your graphic tees. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Some people do shoes. I do graphic tees. Um, and so I was thinking about what graphic tee to wear today, and I found this one actually in the back of my closet. This is the retreat shirt from the first retreat I went to at ANC as a pastor. This is the retreat shirt from summer 2009. <laughs> right? So how old were some of you 2009? <laughs> oh, gosh. Right? When you were seven years old, a bunch of old people were wearing this shirt at church. And you were probably here and like, what are they doing? Why are they all wearing matching shirts? Right? This is a shirt. And I look back the last 10 years, and because the funny thing is, when I, when I became a pastor and I accepted God's calling, I thought it would be like a year or two. I was like, you know what, church needed someone to fill that role, I'll fill it for a year or two, and then I'll go back to making movies, and I'll be good. And then I spent my 20s here, <laughs> right? Right, I spent my like championship years, right? This is like prime, this is like Giannis right now, right? Like, it's like prime years. And even going back into film as I am right now, there's sometimes where I have to, to, to wonder and I regret. Did I make a mistake? Did I make a mistake being a pastor for 10 years? Did I, did I waste those years? Did I miss those opportunities? 
And you see, if my mindset is, I wish I could just turn back the clock. <laughs> yeah, let me just hop in my time machine right now, right? Let me just, let me just Iron Man this, right? <laughs> and just like figure it out. I figured it out, time travel. Okay, cool, yeah, whatever, right? No, we don't get to do that. And so if I'm in a mode where it's about regret, I'll just stay in there forever. And then if it's a mode of forget, because I think sometimes that's our other option, right? We live in regret, and then we don't want to do that. So some people say, just move on, just move on. But if we just try to forget it, how do we do that? I mean, some of you, maybe you can try to forget this past semester because it was so bad. But how do you forget the last three years of your life, or four years, or ten years? Do we say that God has no plan for those things? Do we say that I just screwed it up, I just made the mistakes, and it's gone? No, I tell you the good news of the gospel is that God redeems. God takes those moments, even the ones you don't understand, and even in the moments of your failure and your weakness, and God says, if you give them to me, then by the truth of the gospel, I'm going to actually redeem it and use it. I think there's a lot of us that are in this mindset that our lives, God had this plan for us. And every time we screw up, the plan goes down. And so when we hear this, God has a plan for me, we're like, yeah, he still does, but it's not as good as it would have been if I had just done everything right. And I want to tell you the power of God's redemption is that in his hands, he can make something even better. I experienced that. Um, I sh uh, shot a, another short film um, the, over the past two weekends. Uh, and it's funny because 10 years ago when I was thinking about uh, doing film, uh, one of the things that I was most frightened of, right, that I just didn't know how to do was I didn't know how to talk to actors. Um, you know, it's like this really intimidating thing, right? People are acting, right? They're in their zone, and you want to try to talk to them. And I didn't know how to do that. And I was always afraid to do that, to talk to them or whatever. And all of a sudden now, right, I'm talking to these actors, and I know what to say because I've spent the last 10 years counseling people in their afflictions, right? And so I'm like, oh, I needed this, I needed this, I needed this girl to be sad, right? It was like she had to be sad for this scene, right? And back, you know, 10 years ago, I'd been like, be sad. I don't know if any of you have ever tried to, like, just be sad, <laughs> right? It's bad acting, right? But I realized in this moment, I was like, how many times have I counseled somebody and they at their heart thought everything is my fault? And so I leaned in, right, because we were shooting this and, you know, we were shooting and I leaned in and I just whispered to her and I said, it's all your fault. I just stepped back and I could see in her face, <laughs> like, why? Because that's what I've done for the last 10 years. And I realized in that moment, right, that even as a filmmaker and even whatever God brings you into, some of you are going to go to school thinking that you're going to be an electrical engineer. Some of you are going to go to school thinking that you're going to get married at 29. And all of a sudden, in a few years, you're going to find yourself 22 married with kids and working as like a dental hygienist, right? And God is not going to say, hey, all your plans that you had before, forget about them. God's going to say, I'm actually going to use them. And I thought about this, too, because what Jeremiah is doing is he's not just saying this for himself. He's saying this also for them. Because we've said, we've looked at how Jeremiah probably feels so often how he's failed his people. You see, and I look at, ooh, 
It's an alert from the Lord. <laughs> it's a notification. I, I look at you guys, and you know, I'll be honest. I have a lot of regrets this past year because I think I lost a lot of steam as a pastor. I lost a lot of vision. And honestly, a lot of the things that we tried to do just didn't work well. Right? We tried to make a big push for new life groups, and a lot of them, <laughs> you guys didn't go, right? And that was probably our, that was, that was my fault. It was, right? Because I regret not trying to do more fellowship stuff for you guys. I regret every time I forgot one of your names because I regret that I didn't try harder to call some of you and to reach out to some of you. I could have, and I didn't. I regret that we didn't spend more time together when we could have. I regret that I wasn't using Snapchat this year. <laughs> I was like, all, there's a bunch of you guys use a lot of Snapchat. And I like, I mean, the excuse was like, I'm old, right? <laughs> like, but it's not an excuse. When I was talking with my friends, I was like, you know what, this past year, I probably should have been on Snapchat just to chat with some of you guys more. And I regret not doing that. I look at the mistakes that I've made as your pastor this past year. And I appreciate that a lot of you, you know, have affection for me and love me. And I, I really do appreciate that. But at the same time, I made mistakes. And if your spiritual life is in the hands of your pastor doing everything right, then I done effed you up. <laughs> and I got to hope, and I hope as well for you, that we realize that, no, our lives are not conditioned on us getting everything right and the people around us getting everything right. Because if that is, then we're going to screw it up, every last bit of it. Our lives are about God's redemption. I hope and pray, despite all of my mistakes this past year as your pastor, that God will redeem those moments, that God will use this past year and these past two years to bring the gospel into your life and to transform you. And that's my hope and my prayer, no matter what happens. I'm going to invite the praise team to come up. We're going to do something today since we're not doing small group. We're going to, I, all of you came in, I gave you a piece of paper, um, and it's a reflection sheet. Uh, let's not turn the light off because they got it right. Um, this is something, right, that we, we, we hesitate to do because we don't want to see it. Um, and the first one is simply, what do you wish God would reset for you? And you don't got to write out full paragraphs. If you want to, you can. Um, at the end of today's worship, if you want to keep this, if you don't want to share it, that's fine. If you would like to share it, I know myself, Pastor Isaac, we would love to be able to just pray for you. Um, so if you do, you can write your name at the top and put in the offering basket at the end. But I want you to do this between you and God. That if you say, what are the things uh, I wish I could reset this year? What are the regrets that I have? What are the mistakes that I've made? What are the hurts that have been done against me? And you can write a sentence. You can write a word. You can draw a picture. Whatever it is that you know, you know, man, I wish I, wish I could go back in time. Right? I wish I could avenger this thing. Right? Like, I wish I could change this. But I can't. 
Because if we are holding on to regret, or if we think we're going to solve it by just forgetting it, then I promise you it will not work. So I want you to take a minute or two. I want you to just write it out. So that way when we sing the next song, you can hold this in your hands and you can really pray this out to God. So I'm going to give you about a minute or two to go through that. Just the first one, the first part. If you want to keep writing, you can. If you want to just hold that in your hands and look at it, right? Even if it's that one word, even if it's that one picture, to look at it. We're going to sing this next song. It's a song some of you know. It's called Broken Vessels. And, and the words, right, are about how we are broken vessels. That we've already screwed it up or we've already been screwed up. And our hope in Christ is not that I will go back in time and fix everything. Our hope in Christ is not that I'll get it right from here on out. I won't make mistakes anymore. Our hope in Christ is that however broken we are, God will make something beautiful out of us. And so if I could ask you for this song, just to stay seated, turn off the light. Yeah, we're, just hold that in your hand. If you don't want to sing, you don't have to. If you just want us to look at, right, your life right now, then that's, that's fine as well. Um, but let's bring this in song. Let's bring our regrets. Let's bring our mistakes. Let's bring our hurts to God and cast them at his feet. So let's worship together. When we confront our regrets, that that moment when we say, Jesus come, came to die for you, not you sometime in the future when you fixed it all, but you right now. We realize how great that is. We realize how, how amazing that grace is. And then we are given a call, a choice to say, then those regrets and those mistakes that you have been trying so hard to sweep under the rug, that you've been trying so hard to forget about, that you've been trying so hard to fix yourself. You don't have to. You can come arms open wide and give them to God to take our lives, every part of it, and redeem it. So if you would, Rise with me. We're going to sing one more song before we continue to look at the passage. We're going to sing this song, Arms Open Wide. And I want you to just imagine, right, bringing yourself before God and coming before him and seeing him reach out to embrace you. And All right, have a seat. You know, for our past, God wants, us, wants to redeem. But the question is then next, right, what is God's plan for our present? So in the second section, even as I'm talking right now, I want you to do something. Uh, the movie Aladdin just came out. Uh, my wife wanted to take our kids yesterday, but it was like sold out everywhere uh, still, second week. So oh, I guess good sign. Um, but I just want you to, I mean, we don't like to say, right, God is not a genie. We like to say God is not a genie. He's not. But sometimes I wonder, if he was, what would we ask for? So I want you to take right now, right, I want you to, in that second section, I want you, if, if, God the genie showed up. If Will, Blue Will Smith, right, or Robin Williams showed up for you and said, you got three wishes, 
I want you to write down right now what those would be. Right? Said you got and you know all the standard, you know, no wishing for more wish, no loophole stuff, right? <laughs> like, like, hey, if if you had the shot right now to ask for three things, for three things, right, in your life, what would they be? You got you got 30 seconds to make your wishes. And I want you to write down right now what those three things would be. And then we're gonna share with someone next to you. But you got 30 seconds. Give me 30 seconds. All right, okay, so I want you to turn to a neighbor next to you, and I want you to share with them the three things that you would ask for. And then go ahead and judge each other really harshly. <laughs> Superficial. You didn't put world peace? <laughs> what? <laughs> I wish that everyone else still gets no wishes. <laughs> Tired of my sleep. <laughs> I think some of you are very uh, conniving people. Um, all right, so here's the thing, right? Jeremiah is sending a message to the exiles, right? What is it that they probably want? I, 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 we know what they want because last week we looked at the false prophet. They want to come back ASAP. They don't want to have to deal with these Babylonians, right, with these other people. They want to have their own thing. And they want to go back to their own homes and be wealthy again, okay? That's what their plan is for their present. And Jeremiah sends them this message from the Lord, and this is what it says. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israels, to all the exiles who I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. When you're in Babylon, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. That's not what they wanted to hear. <laughs> Their plan for their present was we're maybe going to ride it out for two, three years and let's never talk to these other people. Let's never deal with that issue. And God's coming to them and saying, my plan for you is for you to stay there for a long time, to plant gardens, to give your children in marriage. Right? That means that your kids are going to grow up there and you're going to marry them there. And actually the city that you're going to, that city that you don't like, to seek the welfare of that city. And God is rewriting for them, saying, you think my plan for you and your present is what? And let's be honest. For most of the things that we would put down, if we were honest, right, the things we would ask the genie for are all for our comfort. Right? More money. I want that for my comfort. I want certain people to get out of my life, right, for my comfort. I want these things to change for my comfort. And the question is, then, is that God's plan for us? Because if that's what we think, then someone comes to you and said, God has a plan for you. You're like, yeah, God's plan for me is to get me into a good school, get me a good job so I can have a nice house, right, so I can be comfortable. That's God's plan for me. And when that doesn't go the way we want, then all of a sudden we think we've missed God's plan. And I think God is saying to us and saying to the people back then, that's not my plan for you. I want to tell you God's plan for your present is not just for comfort, 
but for blessing. I've been so fortunate for the last 10 years as a pastor because I have been able to say that my job was to bless other people, that my job was to proclaim the gospel. And I've been asking a lot of my friends because I've been wrestling with this fact of now that that's not going to be my physical job, now that that's not what I'm going to be paid for, then, then what is God's plan for me? What is God's plan for me perhaps as a filmmaker? For many people, what is God's plan for you as a doctor or an accountant or a teacher or a philosopher or an artist? What is God's plan for you? Because if we're measuring that by our comfort, is that what I want? When I was praying about this calling to be a filmmaker, you know, God asked me, ask me, right? God asked me to ask him, right? What do you want out of this? What do you want out of this? Because I could give the superficial answers, right? <laughs> and I'll be 100% honest. What I want, I want to make Star Wars. Because right now, Star Wars sucks, <laughs> right? I want to make Star Wars. Is that enough? Is that it? You see, if we confuse God's plan for our comfort, then I think the reality is we're going to miss his blessing. Because my question to you is looking at those three things. If God gave you all three of those things, would you be happy forever? Would you be satisfied? Would it be enough? And we realize in this, right, that God's plan for us, because when we think God's plan for us is for me to follow all the rules and do everything right, and then he'll maybe give me some of these three things that I ask for. <laughs> but then... None of the gospel makes sense. No, God's plan for you is to bless you. But if we don't know what that means, then we're going to miss it. God could give you the billions of dollars you asked for, and yet you would still have the anxiety in your heart. God could give you the career that you asked for, and yet you would still feel purposeless and meaningless. God could give you the spouse or the friends that you crave, and the house, and the cars, and all those things, and yet you still feel small, and alone, and unimportant. God wants to bless you, but you realize that God's blessing for you is not going to be found in the things around us. God's blessing for us and the things that we actually want out of life are the things that are intrinsically within us that God wants to change us. You see, I want to tell you a truth, and I, I speak this to myself as well, because as I'm facing, right, this big life change, that oftentimes the reason our lives are not changing is because we're trying to change our own lives. Because we're trying to say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and it's going to make me happy. And the worst thing sometimes is, we do it. We do it all. And we don't get it. And we confuse God's comfort with God's blessings. You see, I want to tell you, God's plan for you, even this month, even this year, is for things to change. And change is always going to be uncomfortable. God's plan for you is to move you into places that are drastically uncomfortable, but that will give you what you really want that will give you the blessings he desires to give you. And so I ask you, what blessings does God want to give you? 
See, I want to take you, give you a moment right now to, to think about that and maybe to write that down as well. You wrote down the three things I would ask of God. But I want you to take a moment and say, what are the three things God wants to give to me? And some of you, right, as you're writing, you don't know. Because we so often fo focused on the three things I ask for God, but what are the three things God wants to give to me? Not God is reluctant to give to me, not God is holding out on me, not God is waiting for me. What are the three things right here, right now, today, that God wants to give you? Because I bet if you put a dollar sign there, you realize how small that dollar sign is. Right? The God Almighty of the universe wants to give you $10,000. I'll take it, but, <laughs> but it's not enough. Does God want to give me peace? Because think about what the, the, these Israelites were asking for. We want to go back to Israel. We don't want to be in Babylon. We want to go back to our homes. Well, guess what? Ten years ago in your homes was where you were sacrificing your children to foreign gods. Ten years ago in your homes, in your kingdom, is where you were oppressing the poor and the aliens and the immigrants in your own town. Ten years ago is where you were crying out because there was so much corruption in your own town. You want to go back to that? That's what you want? And God is saying, I'm not going to give you what you asked for because you're going to stay in Babylon. But when you're there, I want to bless you with the things that you actually wanted. Your sons and your daughters. This is what Jesus prays for, for us. In John 17, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. What Jesus says I want for them is, one, I don't want to take them from the world, from their circumstances in which they're struggling. I don't want that from them. But I do want that in the midst of that, you keep them from the evil one. You keep their hearts from the lies, and you give them the truth. And what I want for them is also to be a blessing. There are many of you that maybe think nothing has changed because your circumstances haven't changed. But if the gospel comes in our lives and something has changed, I have changed. Who I am has changed. And so if you're waiting for God to change your circumstance, and he is waiting because he is trying to change you. And in that, to change the world around you. I remember the day I woke up after I was a Christian. It's the same sun, it's the same sky, it's the same clouds. And yet everything is different. Why? Because I have changed. And in that then, we see that if God his desire is to bless us, then God's desire is also to bless others through us. There's a lot of people that have asked me, right, when are you leaving, <laughs> right? When are, you, when are you leaving A and C? And now, it is totally fine for pastors to come and go, right, like as their career and as God calls them to, right? That's not a bad thing. That, that happens. Same way in our lives, friends come and go. But the funny thing is, right, my job was never to be a pastor. My job was to bless you and to bless this church. And in that is freedom. 
Because in that, even as I go and become just a member with you guys, my job is still the same, to bless others. When we live in that, we are so much freer. When I ask most of you what your plans are for your lives, and I'll be honest, right, for myself too, we think that as well. It's about us. I want this career for myself. I want this occupation for myself. I want this lifestyle for myself. I want this amount of money for myself. And I don't know if any of you ever, like, sat and thought in that, and you feel so trapped. Feel so trapped in that. But when we realize, wait, no, God is saying, my plan for you is to bless you, not with circumstances, but with who you are. And then I want to actually bless others through you. I want to take your past and your regrets and bless others through you. I want to take your money and bless others through you. I want to take your life and bless others through you. I want to take your time and bless others through you. And then, you know, the great thing is we are free because then all we have to do is give it. And no matter what we get circumstantially, it doesn't matter because that's not my job. What is God's plan for your life, even today? I want you to take a moment as praise team comes up to sing this next song. And I want you to write, right, we've written down, right, what we ask God for. And we've written down, hopefully, or thought about what is God asking, what does God want to give to us. And I want to ask, who does God want to bless through you? And I want you to maybe, if, if this helps you, take a thing, take a moment where today, say today, who is one person today God wants to bless through me? Not just help, not just be nice to, but bless them through me. And then think this summer, this summer, these next two and a half months, who does God want to bless through me? And then think about this next 10 years. Who does what God want to bless through me? Because I'll tell you the worst answer for you is if me, me, me is the answer for all three. If my life is just about getting things for me, then I'm sad. But I want to free you and show you God wants to bless people through you. So let's take a moment just to fill that out. Uh, and then as we sing this next song together, we'll carry these in prayer up to God. This is then what God says, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your hearts. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I've given you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. I think about the name of our church a lot, All Nations, and many times I've joked, right, All Nations is uh, not where we're at, but it's our destination. <laughs> we're headed that way. We're not there yet. We're headed that way. But I remember reading this passage this week and saying, you know, another thought is that our name, All Nations, is not our, just our destination. It's our origin. 
We have come not just from nations far away from Korea. We have come from all the places of brokenness in our hearts. We have come from all the places of loneliness and lostness. And God has brought us back from all the nations. And you see, this is his plan for you. This is his hope and his future for you. Not just 10 years, not just your career, not just your, your family life right here, right now, but 10 years from now, 100 years from now, 10,000 years from now, to bring you back and restore your fortunes. It's why Jesus died on the cross and rose again, because his plan for you was greater and longer than your own. And that is why God will change you today, because he sees that plan for you now. Some of you wonder, why can't God just leave me alone? Why, can't, why does God care about who I am? Because if he does not intervene, then he knows you will not be brought to the place that you want to go and he wants to bring you. Consider this. If you're going on a course somewhere and you start off off by just one degree, after about a foot, you'll only be off about 0.2 inches, which doesn't matter. But after 100 yards, you'll be off by five feet. Not huge, but that could be the difference between a touchdown and out of bounds. After a mile, you'll be off 92 feet. If we were traveling from L.A. to San Francisco in a straight line, we would be off by six miles. If we were trying to go to Washington, D.C. from here, you would end up in Baltimore. Oh, someone went off course right there. <laughs> If we were going from L.A. to Tokyo, one degree off on a cruise ship to start us off, we would end up in Thailand. If we were going in a rocket to the moon, we would be off by 4,200 4, miles. If we were aiming for the sun, we would be off by 1.6 million miles. If we were trying to go to the nearest star, you would be off course by 441 billion miles. How great do you think God's plan is for you? You see, I want to tell you that God's plan for you is greater and longer than even the nearest star. His plan for you is so great that he would die to redeem your past, that he would come to intervene in your present. Why? Because he's saying that one degree off for you doesn't seem like a big deal, but I'm trying to take you here. I'm trying to bring you to this place of joy and peace and love forever and ever in all eternity. I'm trying to bring you there. And so that's my plan for you. God is not just trying to change your today. He is trying to change you a million years from now. And so no matter where you think you've come from for the past month, for the past year, for the past four years, for the past 18 years, no matter where that is, know this, God. God still has a plan for you, and it is longer and greater than your own. Ephesians 3.20 then puts us into perspective. As Paul writes, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Fifteen years ago, 15 years ago when I graduated high school. <laughs> if you had told me in 15 years I would be in this place and I'd be standing before you, 
I've been like, no. That is so off from the plan I had for myself. And yet this week, I was standing with my daughter in Disneyland. (laughs) And I looked up at God and I said, God, I love this life. This is not the life I'd asked for. And even with all the changes coming up, I don't know, God, what you're going to do. But I know you brought me here, and I love this moment. And I know you want to give me more. You see, it's why we can trust God with our plans. Not because he's going to do our plans, but because he's not going to do our plans. Because he's going to do it so much better than we can. And so our lives stop being about trying to control what God does for us. Our lives start to be about following and waiting to see how he surprises us. How he blesses us in ways we can't even imagine. For the last one to consider, I want you to think about in this next year of your life, I'm sure all of you can think of all the ways you wish God would change your next year. But I want to ask, how do you think God wants to change you this next year? How does God want to change you? Because then the question is, then why does he bring us together as a church? If it's to get you better grades, don't come. If it's to get you a better job, don't come. You don't need to come to church. If that's all God's blessings are for you, don't come to church. You don't need to. But if God's plan is to give you a hope and a future, a welfare and a fortune that goes into eternity, love and peace and acceptance beyond all things that transcends understanding, then that's why we need each other. So I want you to take a moment to fill that out, and then we're going to go into our last few songs. If you would, do me a favor, um, could you rise right now? Um, We're going to sing these last two songs. uh, And I want you to just hold the hand of the person next to you or their shoulder, whichever you feel comfortable with. And this next song we're going to sing is Nothing I Hold On To. Um, And... I think about this song, right, because it's nothing of this world that I hold on to, and I let those things go. Why? Because what is the, as I let go of those things and those anxieties and those fears, what do I grab a hold of? I grab a hold of the truth of the gospel, and I grab a hold of the brothers and sisters that are next to me. Because I tell you, I will not be your pastor anymore, but I will still be your brother in Christ will always be your brother in Christ. And so as we sing this song and we think about our future, understand that we pursue that future not alone. But as we let go of the things of this world, we climb that mountain together with one another and with Christ in our midst. So let's sing this song together. As we sing our last song, we're going to be passing around our offering. And as we give financially, and you don't have to give, and we don't want you to give out of burden or obligation, but 
if you believe in the generosity of God, then we know that he has blessed us to be a blessing. But I also want you to consider on this piece of paper now that you have in front of you is your past, your present, and your future. It's your plans for who you think you were, who you think you are, who you think you should be. And if you desire, you can write your name on it and you can put that in the offering basket as well. And say, I offer my life to the name of Christ, the Alpha and the Omega who was and is to, is to come. Why? Because God wants your past, your present, and your future. And when we know the gospel, we realize we want to give it to him. And so if you want to as well, you can put that in as your active offering. So let's sing this last song together and offer our lives to the beautiful name of Christ. Heavenly Father, what a beautiful name is the name of Jesus, your son who would come to live and die and rise again for us, to destine us for a future hope far greater and longer than we can ever imagine. And so God, if then you would take our past, our present, and our future to fold it into your plan and to use it for your kingdom, God, what greater my brothers and sisters in this room, that no matter where they've been, no matter where they are, and even though we don't know where we're all going, God, may they give their lives into your hands and be overjoyed by what a beautiful name, what a powerful name, what a wonderful name is the name of Jesus that will bless them and bless others through them. So I thank you so much for our fellowship.